Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to The Signal, Episode 7, Cat and Mouse. Your prowess in the bedroom is exceeded only by your prowess in the golf course, Edward. You ever been slice on your back nine? You're a regular wildcat in the sack yourself, Rosemary. (laughs) (laughs) You don't think this motel room is wired, do you? No tell motel ten miles outside of the city center. I do not, but I had my security detail sweep it for bugs anyway. Can't be too careful in our respective lines of work. We're both susceptible to blackmail. Speaking of complicating factors, where is your lovely wife this afternoon? Estella's at her bridge club. Wild horses could drag that woman away from a trump card and play. What do your people think you're using this room for? Conferring with an informant. Ah, that's one way to describe this. <laughs> Let's confer, big boy. Again? Project Blue Book. The CIA's been read in. Not to the degree we'd like. Nobody in their right mind trusts spooks. I beg your pardon. Hey, you don't wear uniforms, you don't carry badges, you can lie through your teeth and pass a polygraph with flying colors. <laughs> my, what big eyes you have, Rosemary. The better to see you with, my dear. To be honest, I don't see the UFO inquiry lasting out the decade. You haven't found anything? Oh, we found plenty. I'm listening, darling. Impress your little kitten with some big bad facts. Don't make me torture you or slip you some cyanide. You mean like that Russia guy? That was arsenic, but the endgame theory is the same. You're not with the Soviets, are you? If I was, I wouldn't tell you. And if you believed I was, then I'd have to kill you. Okay, honeypot, it's simple. All the reports on incidents we've investigated are classified as either identified or unidentified. You're right. As simple as a heart attack. And what have you identified? Identified simply means explainable. Explained by astronomical, atmospheric, or artificial phenomena. And unidentified? No more than 6% of the incidents we investigated fit into that category. 
Six percent is not unsubstantial, Edward. It depends on your point of view. And besides, it's the CIA who was responsible for this whole loony UFO craze, not the military. How so? The CIA's U-2 overhead reconnaissance project. Excuse me, the what? It should ring a bell the size of Big Ben in that pretty little noggin of yours, Rosemary. Ding, ding. You think the Air Force wasn't aware that you people started testing a high-altitude experimental aircraft in the summer of 55? <laughs> Come to think of it, the exact same time Disneyland opened. Maybe old Walt and Mickey Mouse were hand-in-glove with the agency. Now there's a conspiracy theory for you worthy of Life magazine. While most commercial airlines flew between 10 and 20,000 feet, your U-2 could fly at 60,000 feet. You know, UFO altitude. And you had to go and paint them bright silver so that they reflected the rays of the sun. Talk about dumb. Then at sunrise and sunset, your super-secret aircraft appeared as fiery objects to those on the ground. That left us in the Air Force Command scrambling, I can tell you. To hide what you spooks were up to, we had to blame your unidentified phenomena on natural phenomena like ice crystals and temperature inversions or on high-altitude flares. Is it any wonder the public didn't buy what we were selling? We've estimated that at least half of all reported UFO sightings are the result of manned reconnaissance flights, mostly of your agency's U-2s. And a good portion of the other half? Probably the Soviets flying similar high-altitude reconnaissance aircraft over our suspected nuclear installations to try and see how far along we were in the arms race. Peekaboo. Not so much spacecraft as spycraft. And then you go and get one of your manned U-2 spy planes shot down in the Soviet Union last year. And just like that, the cat's out of the bag. All those misleading and deceptive statements our stuffed shirts were forced to make to the public year after year in an effort to allay their fears and to protect your sensitive national security project, all for naught. You're a lot smarter than you look, Edward. Swan sold you short. And you're a lot sexier than you look, Rosemary. Way I see it, you spooks owe us a debt of gratitude, seeing as we've been covering your ass for over a decade. Why? You've only been covering my ass for an afternoon, Edward. And what a memorable ass it is, Rosemary. But there's still a matter of that unidentified 6% of UFOs. I vote for space aliens, if only to make things interesting. So do I. Why, Edward? Is that your M15 revolver, or are you just glad to see me? I am glad to see you, but it is my pistol. Put your hands over your head, Rosemary. Hmm. That's a girl. I'm detaining you on charges of espionage against the United States. Oh no, you found me out. Isn't there anything I can do to persuade you to let me go, Colonel Sobek? Anything. Well... There might be something. Mm -hmm. Where are you going, Becky? Timmy's terrified of sonic booms. I need to go- No, you don't. Timmy's fine. Sit back down, please. You can see him clear as day from right here. Mr. Swan will watch out for him. Okay. You know... I don't think I've ever sat poolside in a lounger on a weekday. Feels like I'm playing hooky. 
The pool isn't nearly half as big as our public pool back home. Well, motel pools are for quick dips, not for training to swim the 200-yard freestyle for the Olympic Games. Feel free to go for a swim if you'd like. How? In my underwear? Oh, uh, that's right. Sorry. I guess there's no way you could have a swimsuit with you. Or even a change of clothes. Maybe I can talk Mr. Swan into buying outfits for you and Timmy over at Woolworth's this afternoon. Or, heck, I'd be glad to buy some clothes for the both of you. I've got cash in my wallet. And a Sears card, too. And I'd be happy to spring for some... You know, um... Women's things, if you need them. <laughs> women's things? You mean like bras and panties? Or girdles and garter belts? Skimpy lingerie? <laughs> You're not married, Bobby, are you? No, ma'am, I'm not. But you gotta be close to 40. No offense. <laughs> With that goofy Opie Taylor smile and that Eddie Haskell haircut, you look about 16. I may not be a teenager, miss, but I'm barely 38. Oh, well, that makes a big difference. <laughs> still in your 30s, are you? That means you're still wet behind the ears. Not a single gray hair on your head, as far as I can see. You didn't put a ring on your sweetheart's finger before you left for the war? I tried, but... She said she'd rather wait. She wanted a church wedding after the rationing ended. You know, so we could have a big reception afterwards. And when you came home? She didn't wait. She'd gone and married someone else. Another G.I.? No. A rich widower twice her age. He owns a bottle company. Drove a gold Cadillac convertible like he owned the road. I heard close to 1,500 people... Some of the movie stars attended the wedding. But that's all water under the bridge. Long time ago now. Anybody ever tell you, you blush as red as a fire truck, Bobby? My mother did all the time. She'd say, Bobby, you wear your feelings on the skin of your cheeks for all the world to see. She's right. Anybody ever tell you you could be an interrogator for the intelligence services? <laughs> All the time. I like to learn about people. About who they are and what they think. My mother would call me a busybody nosy Parker, but she didn't mean it unkindly. My uncle always tells me, Curiosity killed the cat, girl. You gotta learn to mind your own beeswax before somebody gets in their head to kill you like the damn cat. But I don't see the fun in staying as silent as a wallflower, do you? Everybody's got a story to tell. I figure I was put on this earth to worm it out of them. Passes the time and gets me leverage for when and if I need it. I'm kidding. Don't look so shocked. <laughs> Where's home for you, Bobby? Home is wherever I'm assigned. Back home is California. Near Santa Ana. Have you heard of it? South of Los Angeles, down closer to the border with Mexico. My family owns an orange grove. 200 producing acres. Phillips have been supplying the big orange juice companies for three generations since the late 1800s. Is that why you didn't go back to work at your family's orchard? Because Little Miss Gold Digger broke your heart? Well, the war may have ended, but there was still plenty of work to do. 
I worked as a VIP driver in Allied-occupied Germany for a bunch of years. You're not in Germany now. I still work for the government. When's the last time you went home to Santa Ana? You haven't been home, have you? No. When's the last time you were there? You haven't been back since the war ended? Not even one time in all these years? Bobby, you... No. I haven't been back. Bad blood? No, not at all. My mother passed away in 42. So, when we got the chance, my brothers and I enlisted. It was my idea, but they went along with it. And we all went off to war. How many brothers do you have? Two. Johnny and Freddy. So, your brothers are back working the orange groves with your dad? That's why you never felt obliged to go back home? No, miss. You might as well tell me, Bobby. You know I've got the skills to worm it out of you. Johnny and Freddy were both killed in the war. I was the baby and a goof-off. Johnny was the smartest of the three of us, wanted to be an aerospace engineer, and I swear to you, miss, he had the brains to do it. Now, Freddy, he was the athlete. Baseball. Had a tryout for one of the majors, and it was looking real good until... Until the war? I always meant to go back home, but... I never could work up the courage to explain to my dad why it was me who made it through alive, while his other two sons did not. That means he's working the orange groves all alone. He's got help. Seasonal mostly. Mexicans come across the border during harvest time looking for work. They're hard workers. Good people. But you're his son. His only surviving son. I know. I'm going to go get a Coke out of the machine. Can I bring you one? Bobby, sit down. I've got the sun in my eyes, miss. It's, it's brighter out here by the pool. Bright sun makes my eyes water. Please, sit back down. I'll be right back. I'll bring you a Coke. Damn it, girl. Why can't you learn to mind your own beeswax? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Shaking like a leaf when you hear sonic booms isn't productive, Timothy. I'm scared. Why are you scared when you know what they are? Because they're loud. So you're afraid of loud noises? I don't know. Sometimes. All loud noises? The recess bell at school? No. Fourth of July fireworks? No. So you're choosing to be afraid? That's not true. It is. 
Fear is a choice. I think you like the attention you get from your sister when you act afraid. Nuh-uh. I know when people are lying. So don't even bother with prevarication. It's time to grow up and be a man, Timothy. I'm ten. Your relative youth is not a valid excuse. There have been boys younger than you fighting in wars since time immemorial. Mumchilo Gavrik was eight when he became a corporal in the Serbian army during World War I. He was an orphan like you, but he wasn't fortunate enough to have a big sister to cater to his every need like a handmaid. Becky has indulged you and babied you. Her intentions were good, but because of your blurting out whatever comes into your head, you nearly ended up lobotomized. What? Do you want to live a normal life, or do you want to end up institutionalized or dead and buried in some shallow pauper's grave? Your choice. Cigarette? Becky says... What do you say? No thank you, sir. Good man. Mind if I smoke? No, sir. I guess I don't mind. Your sister says you can see people in their true skins. Sometimes. Not all the time. I think they come out when they're riled up. So anger, or perhaps elevated blood pressure, provokes a physiological metamorphosis observable in someone with your affliction. I guess so. If you don't know what something is, admit you don't. I don't know what that is. At least you admit it. What do they look like when they're in their true skins? Insect people. More than a million species of insects have been identified on this planet. And that's probably only a tenth of what actually exists. Can you be more specific? Do they look like beetles? Grasshoppers? Butterflies? Wasps? Honeybees? Crickets? I don't know. Like spiders, maybe. Spiders aren't insects. Arachnids have eight legs, and they don't have wings. Oh. Did these insect people have three pairs of legs and two pairs of wings? I only see their heads. You know, they're wearing clothes. Human clothes? Yes. So you see their antenna, their feelers, their compound eyes. I guess so. And their mouth parts. Mandibles? I don't know what that is, sir. We can rectify that. I'll give you a book and you can use it as a reference. Insects of the World. I will also throw in an Oxford English Dictionary for your edification. See that woman over there? The one slinking out of the motel room at the end of the building? In a black polka dot skirt? Now she's getting into a Ford T-Bird? Yes, sir. I see her. What is she? You can speak freely, Timothy. Your sister sanctioned this conversation. She's one of them. An insect people. You're certain? Yes, sir. Insects, in my opinion, are worthy of study and contemplation. For example, I bet you didn't know insects make up about 90% of all species of animals on the planet and more than half of all living things. I didn't know that, sir. Because so far you've chosen to be willfully ignorant, Timothy. Furthermore, there are approximately 1.4 billion insects for every person on Earth. The weight of all insects is about 70 times more than all people combined. 
So, extraterrestrials mistakenly assuming the guise of insects and the false belief that such creatures are the dominant species on Earth is not so far-fetched. Reasonable, in fact. You're making me scared, sir. Knowledge is an antidote to fear. Becky says what I don't know can't hurt me. That's what someone tells a suckling child, not a boy on the cusp of manhood. Do you know what a long-range ballistic missile is? Specifically one carrying a nuclear warhead? No. Yet it can hurt you. Just one of those missiles can completely obliterate everything as far as you can see. The buildings, the highways, the houses in the distance, every living thing. People, animals, and insects. Some missiles have an explosive force hundreds of times more powerful than the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. One single missile can do all that. In school, they taught us to duck and cover like Bert the Turtle. Then we would be safe. They lied. To all of you in order to suppress an outbreak of panic. There is no preventative solution once the missile is on target. You and all of your school friends will be reduced to cinders in a matter of seconds. But knowledge is always preferable to ignorance, Timothy. Okay. You're not lying to me, are you? I never lie. Never? Well, except in my work when the situation requires it, or to protect others to whom I owe a duty of care. Tissue? Thank you, sir. When you cry, you reduce the clarity of your vision. Uh, okay. Crying is an indulgence best reserved for special occasions. Okay. Good man. Your sister has also informed me that you are capable of hearing radio signals in your head. When I open. Is that your idiomatic term for tuning in? Huh? Listen closely. Have you ever heard any of these before? In your head? them, sir. Where did you get those? What about this one? Yes, sir. What's wrong? I don't like that one so much. Why? There's no numbers, are there? It's kind of boring. If I take you near to where a signal originates, do you think you will be able to lead me to the source? I, I guess so. I don't know. The sound in my head is louder when I face the direction it's coming from. That will have to do. What will you pay? Excuse me? Becky says you told her everything has a price. I did say that. What currency do you accept? Well, I like candy. Butterfingers? 
Baby Ruth bars? Marshmallow peeps? Bonomo Turkish taffy? Peanut M&M's? All of those. And Hershey bars? And Good and Plenty? And fizzies? And, and hot tamales, too? Eclectic taste for one so young. All right. Done. As much candy as you can eat each day without throwing up. And I want to go to the circus. I've never been, sir. I saw a picture on that pole over there. I saw the poster, too. Mills Brothers Three Ring Circus. Oh, fine. The circus it is. Shall we? And I want a gun. A real gun. You mean like this one? Yes. This is not a toy, Timothy. It's a Walther P-38. It was used extensively by the Germans in the First World War. That's my price. Here, then. It's yours. Whoa. Don't tell Becky. I won't. But you will. She'll bust a gasket, sir. Men face the consequences of their actions. Get used to it, Timothy. Shall we go? Yes, sir. Why are you holding my hand? We're not crossing the street. I don't know. I just want to. Becky holds my hand all the time. All right, then. All right, then, son. The Signal is created by Cassandra Wells and Charlie Randazzo. Written by Cassandra Wells. Produced by Fred Greenhalge and Marco Palmieri. Directed by Charlie Randazzo. Executive produced by Cassandra Wells, Daniel Kamen, Molly Barton, and Julian Yap. Performed by Daniel Kamen, Perry King, Marta Cross, Adam J. Smith, Tracy Winters, Time Winters, Harry Gawillam, Tom Beyer, Jeff Blumberg, Mark Irvingson, Jackson Gawillam, and Jennifer Taub. Sound design and editing by Charlie Randazzo. Music by Quiet on the Set. Additional cover art by Heather Mason. Production manager, Devin Shepard. Production coordinator, Angela Yee. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.